Let's open our Bibles, Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to start there. We'll go back to Genesis in a little bit. This, uh, this message today is for me as well as uh, everybody else. A very special message uh, today. And maybe it has to do with the, what Larry was saying here too, that you know we're, we, we do what God calls us to do and we, we want to do it, we want to do it well, and we want to finish well. Last week we looked at, at uh, Jacob where he first heard from God. He went back to Bethel. He was told, go back to Bethel. Go back to where you were. And to return to the Lord, this idea of getting back to that place where we need to be. Sometimes we wander off. We drift off. We need to get back to where we need to be, where, we, where we're in that place where we're listening to God, where we're worshiping Him, where we have this relationship with Him. And, and Jacob, you know, we, we've been looking at Jacob's life, life for the last few weeks. You know, it's kind of like up, it's up and down. It's kind of like this. And sometimes our, our lives feel like the roller coaster kind of life like that too. And, and you know, Jacob was told, listen, you've got to get back on track, bud. You know, you're out there wandering around and you've kind of left behind the things that are important. And so he was told to go back to Bethel, this place where, we, where he had this relationship where he had this encounter with the living God and and the first thing he did before he went back there though he he had to clean house there was some stuff he had to get out some stuff he had to cut off get rid of before he could get to that place and sometimes we allow so much garbage to enter into our lives and we have to say you know what that's enough of that Maybe it's, uh, you know, drugs or alcohol or pornography or some other thing of the world that we've allowed to come into our lives and it keeps us from that relationship and that walk with God that he so uh, earnestly desires from us. When he does go back to Bethel, God responds and, and it says that God appeared to him again and God blessed him. So God responds to that. God told him, he said, I am El Shaddai, the Almighty One. So I want to ask that question again before we move into today, to today's uh, message is, where is your Bethel? Where do you need to get back to? Where's that place, that place where you meet with God? And it needs to be an ongoing place, not a one-time thing. Ongoing, day by day by day. <clears throat> Today... <clears throat> Excuse me, we jump to the end of Jacob's life. We, we, we get to the very end of his life. And, and like I've said before, we're kind of looking at the, the book of Hebrews as uh, the hall of faith anyways. Chapter 11 of Hebrews is kind of a template of what we're looking at in the Old Testament. We're not going to look at every chapter, every book, and every verse. Uh, I want to get to back to the New Testament and the book of James once we get through the, this hall of faith. But... We're looking at this guy Jacob and, and uh, looking at the progression of faith in his life. And it wasn't, it wasn't like a steady line. Like I said, it was a, a, a line that kind of went like, like this. And, and uh, you know, you remember in the early days, it was like, you know, he's trying to make deals with God. Well, if you'll do this and I'll do that. And, and then he kind of realizes that God's been taking care of me. He says, okay, you are my God now. And then he, but he kind of wanders off a little bit, and then God says, you need to get back where you need to be. You need to return. And now here, at the end of his life, we, 
ask the question, is he finishing well? You read, I, you know, I've been reading in, in the uh, books of First and Second Kings and First and Second Chronicles about the kings. And, and it, it, it talks about them in their lives and says some of them were just evil. They, they were never good. But some of them were really good. It says they, you know, followed after the Lord and they had a heart after God. And, but you read about some of them, it says that, you know, at the end of their lives, they got involved in stuff that wasn't good and they didn't finish well. I think it's better to, to, to finish well than to do really good and then the, the last part of your life you're just, you know, you're just, you know, blowing it and it's just no good not finishing well. What does it say here? Let's read Hebrews chapter 11, verse 21. It says, By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, he's at the end of his life, he blessed each of Joseph's sons, and he worshiped as he leaned on the top of his staff. This is, he's now at the end of his life. And, and looking at this verse here now and asking the question, is he finishing well, what stands out to you? I, I really, I, I see three things here that he's at the end of his life. The three things that stand out to me as I look at that verse, number one is by faith. Number two, it says he blessed and number three, he worshiped. When we get to the end of our lives, is there, is there going to be that testimony that we had faith, that we have faith? We, we're, we have faith and trust in the Almighty God. We've got to the end, and we're, we're trusting in Him. We're holding on to Him. That's the testimony of Jacob here. The second thing, it says he blessed. He passed on blessings to Joseph's sons, and we're going to look at that in Genesis and then the third thing is he worshiped. To the very end of his life, he, he worshiped as he leaned on the top of his staff. It sounds like a pretty good finish to me. What do you think? Starts off by faith. You know, Matthew Henry, I, I, you know, I quote him a lot because he's just so good. Some of his language is maybe a little bit old, but, but, but he, his, his heart, Matthew Henry's heart as a commentator uh, was to make the scripture applicable to your life and my life and today where you are. But he says this about, about Jacob. He says, Jacob, he lived by faith and he died by faith and in faith. He's talking about faith and, and he says faith is important throughout our whole lives, yet it's especially so when we come to die. Faith has its greatest work to do at last, at the end, to help believers to finish well, to die in the Lord so as to honor Him and by patience and hope and joy so as to leave a witness behind them of the truth of God's Word and the excellency of His ways for the conviction and the establishment of all who attend them in their dying moments. He said the best way in which parents can finish their course is blessing their families and worshiping their God. Faith, he says. Is that the witness of faith? What, when, when we leave this life, what are they going to say about us? What are they going to put on our tombstone, as it were? Some of the kings that died, you know, it says they, they, the good kings, they were buried with with uh, the other kings in a special place, but others, it says they died and they were not allowed to be buried over there because of the way they lived their lives. 
how are you and I going to finish up? Is there going to be a testimony of faith? That, hey, he, he trusted the Lord. He followed after the Lord the best he could. He wasn't perfect, but he had faith. He believed in the Almighty God, and he followed him the best that he could. The second thing here about blessing, it says he blessed each of Joseph's sons. Now, you have to, you have to read the whole story, and we're going to talk about Joseph starting next week. But Joseph, right, was Jacob's what? Favorite. Favorite son. We've already talked about Jacob and the whole thing about favoritism and all that. You know, his mom, you know, Jacob was his mom's favorite and the stuff that happened and all the intrigue and, and dysfunction and stuff. And, and, and you still, even in the middle of this guy who had faith, there was still his personality was there, right? He was still there. It doesn't like God obliterate who we are. It's just God in the middle of who we are and faith in the middle of who we are. We live, but we're still who we are, right? Does that make sense? Jacob, you know, you'll know this when I say this. Some of you don't remember that, but you'll you'll remember when I mentioned the multicolored coat, right? Remember that? Because he gave it to Joseph because it's just, guys, his favorite. And then the whole story, and we're going to get into all that, you know, how Joseph, you know, uh, kind of disappears out of, out of Jacob's life. Anyways, he blessed each of jo- Joseph's sons. That, this is the, the point is that he prayed for and he blessed those that he was leaving behind. He, let me say that again. He prayed for and he blessed those that he was leaving behind. This is a part of finishing well, that, that we're going to pray for those and we're going to bless those that we leave behind. It isn't just, you know, the selfishness of the, of the human nature. No, we're thinking about them and, and praying for them and we want to leave a blessing for those that we leave behind. And the third thing is, says he worshipped, and he, as he leaned upon his staff, he worshipped the Lord. That's, that's one of the last pictures that Joseph and his sons see of Jacob, of Israel, that he was worshipping. What was he doing that they saw that he was worshipping? We don't know exactly, but there was an attitude. There was maybe what he was saying, maybe that he was singing. We don't know. But there was an obvious that he was worshipping. When we get to the end of our lives, are we going to just be grumbling and complaining? Or are we going to be saying, thank you, thank you, God, for what you've done in my life? Matthew Henry, again, let let me quote what he says about this. He says, he showed by his worship his dependence upon God, and he testified his condition here as a pilgrim with his staff and his weariness of the world and his willingness to be at rest. Even though he was beat up and tired and all the rest of it, he, he could barely get up. He, he had to hold on to that staff. Yet he worshipped, and, he, and, and the, the concept that came across is that he had faith in God, and God was taking care of him, and God would continue to take care of him. The scripture says in the book of Hebrews, here we have no continuing city. This isn't forever, this stuff we got here, right? I got so much stuff. 
I got to stop going to yard sales. <laughs> I bought some more stuff yesterday. Like, I'm going to run out of space. But you know what? It's all going to be here. But when I leave, it's, it, it, it doesn't come with me. What gets us there is faith and trust and worship in the Almighty God. Now let's jump back to, to Genesis chapter 48 and read this account of what happened here. Genesis chapter 48. <clears throat> we'll kind of pick out a few more things and we'll put this all together. Genesis chapter 48, <clears throat> excuse me, in verse uh, 1 and 2. It's some, it says, sometime later that Joseph was told, your father is ill. So he took his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim, along with him. And when Jacob was told, your son Joseph has come to you, Israel rallied his strength and he sat up on the bed. He was ill, he was dying. And Joseph brings his two sons. Notice the order of the sons here. It says his sons were named Manasseh and Ephraim. Manasseh was the firstborn. But Jacob, he rallied his strength. It says he, he was able to sit up. And, and, and again, he had his staff with him as well. And he, but, he, but he saw that his son, his favorite son, was coming. And he wanted to rally and speak to him. What does he say? He says to, Jake, he says to Joseph in verse 3, he says, God Almighty, in other words, El Shaddai, appeared to me at Luz, or Bethel, in other words, in the land of Canaan, and there he blessed me, and he said to me, I am going to make you fruitful and, and will increase your numbers, and I will make you a community of peoples, and I will give this land as an everlasting possession to your descendants after you. He's speaking to his descendants, of course, Jacob is. But what does he do? He goes back and he talks about who? He didn't talk about all the things that he had done in his life, did he? He didn't talk about, you know, himself. He talked about El Shaddai. He talked about God, what God had done. That's why we sang this song, God, you know, great is your faithful, all the things that God has done, all the things that God is faithful, the promises of God. He told him that, that God said, I am going to make you fruitful. I will increase your numbers. I will make you a community of peoples. I will give you this land as an everlasting possession. What can we pass on to our kids, right? What is he passing on here? He's not saying, you know what, uh, here's the, you know, the key to my uh, you know, safe deposit box down at Citizens Bank. That's not what he says. But, you know, he, he did have a lot of stuff. He was very, very wealthy. And, and you know, much of this, you know, would be passed on and, and the rest of it. But that's not what he was talking about. What did he pass on? He passed on his relationship with the Almighty God. His testimony that God spoke to me. And this is what God said to me. And this is what God promised I want to point out to you, though, notice what he says there at the end of that. He says, I will give you this land as an what? An everlasting possession. Of course, it's in the news right now. We're talking about the land of Israel and how people want to destroy them and take them out of the land. This is God's promise 
to the nation of Israel. An everlasting possession. And that, in my mind, everlasting means what? Forever. Everlasting. Forever. Verse 5, so it says here, Now then, Jacob speaking to Joseph, Your two sons born to you in Egypt, before I came to you here, they will be reckoned as mine. Ephraim and Manasseh will be mine, just as Reuben and Simeon are mine. And any children born to you after them will be yours, and the territory they inherit they will be reckoned under the names of their brothers. In other words, uh, Jacob is doing what? He's, he's more or less adopting these two sons to be his and to take his name. It's, it's when you read about this, study about this, he's really giving a double portion. He's giving the birthright to Joseph instead of to his firstborn, who really kind of blew it. You can go back and read about that. But he's giving now his birthright, the double portion to his favorite son, Joseph. Notice the order, too. He's changed the order, didn't he? Now Ephraim and Manasseh, we'll talk about that in a minute. Verse, five, uh, verse 7, he says, As I was returning from Badan, Badan to my sorrow, Rachel died in the land of Canaan while we were still on the way, a little distance from Ephrath. So I buried her there beside the road to Ephrath, that is, that is Bethlehem. Rachel was Jacob's what? Favorite wife. Joseph was his favorite son. It's, it's included, and he brings that up about, his, about uh, Joseph's mother. But, but we see, even in that just that little verse, he talks about his sorrow. He had a hard life, you know. He, he went through an awful lot, but, but even now, at the very end of his life, he's, he's bringing up this sorrow. I thought sorrow just went away. I thought, you know, you grieve and it just goes away and it never, you, you never have to deal with it again as believers. But to make the point, I will quote to you again from Matthew Henry because I really like this one. He says this. Listen carefully. He says, The removal of dear relations from us is an affliction, the remembrance of which cannot but abide with us a great while. Strong affections in the enjoyment cause long afflictions in the loss. Isn't that powerful? He really, really loved this gal, Rachel, and that's why he was facing this long affliction, this sorrow, even at the very end of his life. Sorrow is a part of our life, but but sorrow is also something that God uses to bring us to himself, to get us on our knees, to call out, God, help us. Verse 8, <clears throat> when Israel saw the sons of Joseph, Joseph, he asked, who are these? They are the sons God has given me here, Joseph said to his father. Then Israel said, Bring them to me so I may bless them. 
Now Israel's eyes, you say, well, who are these? Well, his eyes were failing because of old age, and he could hardly see. So Joseph brought his sons close to him, and his father kissed them and embraced them. And Israel said to Joseph, I never expected to see your face again. And now God has allowed me to see your children too, because he thought Joseph was dead for many, many years. But the joy now that he has... And, and the kisses and the embraces of his grandsons, the joy of Israel that he saw Joseph and he got to see Joseph's sons. There's something again about family, about kids, grandkids, and, and, and just what, what we see the emotion here in this. This isn't all just words on a page. This is reality. The writer of the Proverbs says this, that children's children are crowned to the aged and parents of the pride of their children. Someone else said that sometimes that the grandparents, they love the grandchildren more than they, grow, they love their own kids. Is that true? Spoil them more, probably. I don't know. I only have 10. I'm still trying to figure it out. But look at verse 12 and we see the blessing here. Excuse me, uh, yeah, verse 12. Then, then Joseph removed them from Israel's knees, and he bowed down with his face to the ground. And Joseph took both of them, Ephraim on his right toward Israel's left hand, and Manasseh on his left toward Israel's right hand. And he brought them close to him, but Israel reached out his right hand, and he put it on Ephraim's head, Though he was the younger, and crossing his arms, he put his left hand on Manasseh's head, even though Manasseh was the firstborn. And then he blessed Joseph. And this is what he said, May the God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has been my shepherd all my life to this day, the angel who has delivered me from all harm, may he bless these boys. May they be called by my name and the names of my fathers, Abraham and Isaac. And may they increase greatly upon the earth. This is a blessing. Again, it's not, you know, a bank account, right? It's the testimony of God in his life. Is that what people are going to, our kids and grandkids and maybe even great-grandkids are going to see? That there's a testimony in our lives. Are we just too caught up in the world and that's all they're going to see is that all they did was they sold their soul to the world and the things of the world? Or, or will they say that, that there's a testimony? And that's the testimony that, that, that uh, Jacob blesses Joseph and his grandsons right there with the testimony of, his God, of God in his life. It's all about God in his life at the end of life. And that's really what it gets down to. It's not about how much we made. It's not whether I got that really, really cool car. It's about a walk with God. He says, my fathers, Abraham and Isaac, they walked before him. They believed, they obeyed. He said, God's been my shepherd. He has been my shepherd all my life, up to this very day, up to the very point of his uh, coming to the end of his life. God has been my shepherd. What's the shepherd's song? 
Which one? Psalm 23. Psalm 23. We should all know that. I want to challenge you to memorize Psalm 23. You say, I can't memorize stuff. If you work at it hard enough, you can memorize. I can barely remember what happened yesterday, but I can quote to you Psalm 23. Why? Because it is so powerful. And, and I can't tell you how many times in the middle of the night I, I quote Psalm 23, and I go through the Psalm 23, and it brings peace into my heart and peace into my life because God is my shepherd. The Lord, Yahweh, he's my shepherd. That's what David said. This is what Jacob is saying here now. He's been my shepherd my whole life, all my life, even when he was blowing it, even when he was not walking as he should, he still said, the Lord has been my shepherd. God's been my shepherd all my life. He talked about the angel, the angel of the Lord. This is God himself now speaking of the deliverance that he had. He delivered me from all harm. He says, this is my blessing, God. The testimony of God in my life. That's what I want to give to you. That's what I want to pass on to you. I want you to turn with me to Psalm 71. Psalm 71 and, and see what the psalmist says here. <clears throat> Psalm 71 verses 16 through 18. And... <clears throat> He speaks about this. He's coming. He talks about coming to the end of his life. In Psalm 71, verse 9, he says, Do not cast me away when I'm old. Do not forsake me when my strength is gone. But jump down to verse 16. Actually, let's start in verse 14. He says, But as for me, I will always have hope. I will praise you more and more. My mouth will tell of your righteousness, of your salvation all day long, though I know not its measure. I will come and proclaim your mighty acts, O sovereign Lord. I will, I will proclaim your righteousness and yours alone. Verse 17, Since my youth... Oh God, you have taught me, and to this day I declare your marvelous deeds. Even when I'm old and gray, do not forsake me, O oh God. And get the last part, he says, till I declare your power to the next generation, your might to all who are to come. The testimony of God. He couldn't talk about God enough. He says, I've got, to, I've got to pass this on. I've got to pass this along to the next generation. He leaves this testimony to his son and to his grandsons. That, that was the most important thing. He wanted his favorite son to know that God had taken care of him, that God had blessed him. And he said, this is the God that will bless these boys. It's not me. I mean, you know, what, what do you and I have to really leave? What really matters? What's really important? But the Almighty God and the blessing of God in their lives. Verse 17. And when Joseph saw his father placing his right hand on Ephraim's head, he was displeased. 
Dad. So he took hold of his father's hand to move it from Ephraim's head to Manasseh's head. And Joseph said to him, No, my father, this one is the firstborn. Put your right hand on his head. But his father refused, and he said, I know, my son, I know. He too will become a people, and he too will become great. Nevertheless, his younger brother will be greater than he, and his descendants will become a group of nations. And he blessed them that day, and he said, In your name will Israel pronounce this blessing. May God make you like Ephraim and Manasseh. So he put Ephraim ahead of Manasseh. He switched it up. Does that sound familiar? Isn't that what happened in his own life? Now, it happened in his, his life because of trickery and deceit, right? But here, Jacob, he knew exactly what he was doing, and I, and I believe he knew that that's what God wanted. And so he switches it up. He does it on purpose. He believes it's God's plan. But notice, there, you know, God had a different plan for each of these boys. It wasn't the same. One was going to be greater than the other. The younger will be greater than the other. And God has a plan and a purpose for each of our lives. You know, we're not all the same. It's not cookie cutter, you know, you get this and we all get this. God has a plan and a purpose for each one of us. And, and we need to discover what that is. That our lives are going to be used to do what God's called us to do. I can't do what Mark can do. Right? What do you do? Just kidding. You know, Jesus talked about giving the talents out, right? He said he gave one, one talent. Another one what? Five talents. Another one what? Ten talents. Zeke, help us out here, bro. And, and he said, you know, you need to use what you've been given. And, and he wasn't referring to just kind of a talent ability, but you know, it was, a, it was a, like a portion. You've got to use what you've been given, and some people get more. And, and, you know, some people get less. I feel like I just got one, but God says, be faithful with the one that you have. But, but Jesus said some of them, they just took that little one. What did they do? They went and buried it, and they got in trouble for that, really. Like, what, what did you do? Why did you do that? You need to be faithful with what you have, and part of it is being content with what you have, with what God's given you. What is your voice? What is your gift? What is your calling? This is an important concept, you know. And, and Jacob knew, you know, these boys are going to be different. So he, he, he crossed his arms and some people say, well, he was making the sign of the cross. Well, I think that might be going a little too far. <clears throat> but the fact of the matter is he knew that they were going to be different. You know, we don't have a mega church here. But is that Okay. That's okay, because that's what God's given to us. That's what God has, has provided for us. He's blessed us, though, hasn't he? You don't have to have a megachurch to be blessed, do you? You just need God there. And God walking and blessing and showing all of this stuff. Verse 21, then, Jake, then, then Israel said to Joseph, I'm about to die, but God will be with you. That's a blessing right there, right? 
but God will be. I'm not going to be here with you anymore. I'm going to die, but God will be with you. And he will take you back to the land of your fathers, back because they're now in Egypt at this point in time. Take you back to the land of Israel. And to you, as one who is over your brothers, I give the ridge of land I took from the Amorites with my sword and with my bow. Genesis chapter 49, we're not going to look at all that, but, but Jacob blesses all of his sons after that. The first, you know, first he has to bless his favorite son and the two sons, but then he blesses all of his sons, and you, you can read all that there. But jump down to the very end of chapter 49, the last verse. It says, when Jacob had finished giving instructions to his sons, he drew his feet up into the bed he breathed his last, and he, was, and he was gathered to his people. He breathed his last. We're all going to get there. We're all going to get there. Jacob was going to be gone, but he said, God, God is going to be with you. I'm not going to be here forever. I'm not going to be here standing here in front of you forever. I don't know if you noticed, but this is great. This is not blonde. This is gone. And, and you know, I, I just want you to know that, that I love this church, and I am so thankful for every one of you here, but, but I want this church to continue on after me. And it's my goal, my heart, that God would continue to bless this work. And, and how is he going to do that? I can't tell you that right now. But I believe he will, and I think that's something we all should be praying for. Not just me, but you all should be praying for what is God going to do with this church? And it's okay. I'm not going to be here forever, and that's okay, because when I leave, guess where I'm going? And, they're, and I'm going to get a new body. No more replacement parts, right? No more problems with the parts that they give you. You think, you know, well, they give you some new parts and then it's all going to be like perfect. And you go like, oh, now I got to settle with this. I got to figure this out, too. We're going to get a new body. I'm about to die, he says, but God will be with you. I got one more quote for you. I put this up on the board from Bible Knowledge Commentary. So Jacob died after 147 years of struggle. His life wasn't an easy life. It was a struggle. And his sorrow came to an end. But Jacob had an unquenchable desire for God's blessing. And in the end, he died as a man of genuine faith. And he learned in his life where the real blessings come from. Isn't that sweet? He learned it. And at the end of his life, he died as a man of genuine faith. That's, that's what we want to, people to say when we get to the end, that, that we had faith in the Almighty God. We trusted Him. That God was the one who worked in our lives. And we pass along that blessing. We pass along to the next generation that it really is God. And, and that we worship you know, to the very, very, very end. Why? Because God is worthy of worship. Let's pray together, shall we?
Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. It is living and active and so powerful. I love your word. And, and your word we hide in our hearts so that we will not sin against you. Your word we take into our hearts and lives to give us encouragement and strength and help as we walk along this path, this life. It's, it's a struggle. Many of us know what, what it means. We're not going to live to be 147, but we're going to live long enough to know that life is a struggle. And life has sorrow. And we, many of us have, have had loved ones pass on from us, brothers and sisters and parents and even children. Yet God is faithful. And you love us. And you have, a, you have a place prepared for us beyond this life. And, and yet, yet we want to pass along to our, our families and our friends that, God, you are real and that you are alive. And you are going to do a work that is incredible and take us into the very presence of God, the very home in heaven that you've, even now, have ready for us. We don't know about tomorrow, but today is a day. Father, help us to focus on what really matters and things in this life, and, and that we would be people who finish well because our priorities were right, our hearts were right, and our eyes were on you. That's the most important thing. Our eyes were on you. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Lord, I pray here for any today that maybe they, they, they've just taken a, a left turn when they should have gone straight. And, and they need to get back. And that their lives would be proven to be a life of faith and blessing others and a life of worship. Maybe there are others that, that don't know you, they don't have a relationship, they can't say where they're going to go when they die. Maybe that's you. Jesus said you trust in him and he will give you eternal life. You open your heart to him we sang it today. As many as believed and received him, he gave the right to become children of God. Believe in him. Receive him today. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and sing together, shall we?